Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. When I was a kid, I thought that growing up was quite possibly the hardest thing I could ever do. By the time I was in the fifth grade, I'd been enrolled in four different schools. My family had moved three different times. I had witnessed my parents go through the end of an extremely ugly marriage, which ended in an extremely uglier divorce. By the time I was in the eighth grade, my brother and sister had moved on from the family and moved on to college in their own careers, and they didn't look back. My grades in school moved from very solid C's down to D's and failing, even though all of the aptitude tests put me in a higher bracket for uh, an ability to get uh, good grades. I continued to struggle with more than just grades. I struggled with life. I struggled with a, a sense of belong. I struggled with purpose. High school was not an easy time. And as I entered high school, I lost my grandfather to suicide. And my grandmother, who was, was one of those lights in, in my life, who, who I can look back and say the Lord was using to point me to himself. She introduced me to literature that pointed to God. She introduced me to a, a higher understanding of there must be something out there. And I learned after her death that my grandmother was a believer. She was leading me to him. Both of my grandparents I knew loved me dearly. And they were very influential into who I was becoming and my sense of purpose and my sense of, of being. But now they were both gone. Around the time of them leaving is when the bullying and the hazing of the sports teams began to increase. And where I was not necessarily a great athlete, I enjoyed sports tremendously and was always involved until high school. It was then that I decided to stop and step away because it was becoming very bad. My friends, the few that I had, knew that I was going through trouble and difficulty, but but see, it was a sign of weakness for a guy to say it's, you can't deal with your problems. So they didn't really know how bad it was. And they didn't know how low I really was in life. They didn't know how poor my own self-esteem had become. My junior year brought a new level of tension for my father and I. While I was trying to be a man and trying to learn how to be a man, I was still very much a child. And my father didn't know how to navigate that place with me. We continued to grow farther and farther apart as anger and tension in the house increased. I almost moved out my junior year, but it was at a family meeting we agreed I should stay and at least finish high school. So I did. And upon graduation, I was encouraged to move out. And I did so, deciding that I was going to really show them so I loaded up all of the belongings I could carry into the back of a pickup truck that I owned with a cab on the back, and I drove from northern Michigan to southern California. I arrived in California with $25 in my pocket 
and I slept on the beach of La Jolla, at La Jolla Beach for about a month trying to find work until the gas tank was finally empty and so was the food bank. Eventually, I got a job and an apartment and enough money to eat six meals a week. Life was suddenly good. This continued, uh, oh, but uh, even though life was good, I continued to rebel against my father and all of the rules. Even when I lived thousands of miles away, I continued to rebel. I chose carnality over virtue. I chose to reject anything that reflected my father. My father was a Detroit police officer. He was a former army ranger. Discipline, integrity, rules. I'd throw them away. All of that carnality continued even after I moved back to Michigan, just living, living just three miles away from my father. I rejected every offer on his part to have a relationship with me. And in turn, he made it very difficult for me to desire any kind of reconciliation with him. We went years without seeing each other, and we lived three miles apart. Then I met the Lord. Then God brought someone to me who continued and finished the process of showing me a heavenly father. The Lord became my heavenly father, and there was work to do, and there still is. For those of you who know me well, there's still a lot of work to do. God brought mentors into my life. He brought men who could help me grow in ways that my father couldn't, my earthly father couldn't. He brought me men like Craig McDonald and Tim Conklin and Dale DeWitt, who showed me a deep, deep love of God and showed me God's lessons for my life and how to grow as a man from God's Word. When I became a dad, I came to the place where I thought that being a father was the hardest thing I could ever do, even harder than growing up. Raising children... Do I raise them the way I grew up? There were some real kernels of wisdom and integrity and knowledge my father had desired to instill in me, but I had rejected them. There were behaviors in my father that were obviously rejectable. Do I raise children the way I grew up? Or do I raise them the way the Lord wishes for me to be a parent? Praise God we are not left alone to try to figure that out. He's given us his word. The Lord established the relationship between parents and children. Relationship between parents and children. It's pretty much a given that a child comes from the union of two adult parents. But the parenting process, this is the relationship that we're talking about. And God ordained that and oversaw it. He said in Ephesians 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on earth. 
Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, each of us in this room has a story to tell. Every one of you has faced a trial or a hardship or a circumstance in life that has molded you and shaped you and brought you to where you are right now. Perhaps you are not now, nor will you ever be a father. But every single one of us in this room has been or currently is a child. As we go to look at God's word, I ask that we first open with prayer. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. And we thank you for this opportunity that that you are the God who remakes and remolds and changes. You're the God who redeems us, as we have sung already this morning. You are the God who has so much more in store for us, in mind for us, than, than our finite minds can grasp. Father, I ask as we look to your word that you would open it to us, teach us and, and, and push us, and push us all to desire you in that relationship even greater. We thank you, Father, for all that you give us, and we praise you in your Son's name. Amen. We have in God's Word God's earthly instructions to children and fathers, and it teaches us something about our spiritual relationship with them. So we're going to look at these relationships. And the first one, if you turn to Ephesians chapter 6 with me, we're going to be spending the bulk of our time in verses 1 through 4. Now, as we have already read, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We need to understand here the context of children. So when I'm thinking children from the text, I, I admit, I jumped to the idea of, of, of the children's church. The little ones, as Candace and I have always called the younger two of our four children, who aren't really so little anymore, but they're both all taller than my wife now, and we still refer to them as the little ones. And the big two, the little ones and the big two. The idea here of the word technia is not, is not little ones, or by, there's not an age differentiation. It's more of a status differentiation. So um, I'm still potentially here a child in reference to my mother who is still alive. I am her child. So, child, uh, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So this really does speak to all of us. And yet at the same time, because Paul follows up with fathers, we'll see, we'll see a, 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 a different sense to this as well. This letter was being read in front of everyone. And so the understanding here is that the children who are in the room are able to think and able to hear and able to grow from God's word. They're not, they're not the nursery children because these instructions are get, being given specifically to them. They're everyone who, who has ears to hear and eyes to see and, and, and who can contemplate the relationship that God wants to have with us and the relationship he wants us to have with our earthly parents. In the Greco-Roman world, this is interesting because, to me because in the Greco-Roman world, it, you wouldn't address the subordinates in front of the leader. 
you would expect that the father would be given would be given separate instruction away from the children so that the children wouldn't hear how the father had been instructed we're trans we're, we're transferring into a different mind thought here christian mind thought children you're going to hear how your parents are supposed to to raise you parents your children are going to be hearing what we're telling you obey this word means obey and it also means give ear to render submissive acceptance hearken hearken the words i like that be compliant don't fight but receive the words boy there were times my father wanted to give me wisdom and i fought that wisdom and and truly as i look back on it it was wisdom and i fought it and i shut my heart children god is telling us do not shut your hearts to your parents instruction to your father's instruction open your heart give ear to it listen proverbs 1:7 through 9 tells us this first and foremost the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and discipline see open your heart obey listen verse 8 listen my son to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching they will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck part of the the um the reason why this instruction is giving to the is given to the children is to establish a christian commitment in the lord obey in the lord for this is right as i said each of these children are old enough to make decisions spiritual decisions and in a greater context as paul is saying look i'm addressing all of you not just the leaders all of us i should say all of us reflect christ in how we obey and treat our parents how we obey and treat our grandparents the elders in our congregation also for it is right paul says now here he's appealing to a a moral sense a worldwide moral sense have you ever been at the grocery store as have i walking through and you see a child being disrespectful to their parent and you just want to go over there and say something cuz it's getting louder I, I, if you've ever frequented the ta- the it's now Hagen up here on on uh, 175th I was in the far back left I was in the far back left corner and the child was in the far front right corner and I could still hear them and it wasn't because I have 
what most parents suddenly develop hypersensitive ears to any discipline or problems that could come up. <laughs> Warn you, we have them. It was because the child wouldn't stop. And as I came around, getting my groceries, singing as much as I could to try to keep my... I witnessed this child who couldn't have been more than second or third grade pulling on their mom's hair and slapping her. What's your first impression on that? Do you think, okay, well, that's bad behavior. I mean, I think we, from the reaction of all of you, but would you say, well, that family is obviously not Christian. I don't know if we can do that. But that is obviously not Christian principles that we're seeing lived out before us. Now, and that just throws me to the place where I say again, it's Christian principles that we're supposed to delay, de, um, to show, display as parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, Christian principle, for this is right, worldly principle. In Romans chapter 1, Paul kind of links disobedience to parents to, as a sign of depravity. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So says Proverbs 1. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Then there's these instructions to fathers. Honor and respect both parents is really the overlying expectation. And we've seen the instruction to fathers just as submit to one another as has been presented for husbands and wives. And yet then the role of a husband. In the Lord. Now I'm borrowing this from children. Obey your parents in the Lord. I'm borrowing this for the fathers because I think it's really important that each of us remembers it's not because I said so. Yeah, that one hurt me. Or because it's my house. Or because I'm the dad. Were your instructions of the Lord. It's the scariest thing in the whole world. When I read Ephesians 5 and 6 for the first time as a as a pretty much a new believer, I thought to myself, boy, does this just absolutely not sound like the marriage that I grew up with seeing. The king of the castle is a servant. I didn't see that as much. The king of the castle, so to speak, quotations entered, is responsible. Is responsible to make sure everything is right and good and, 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 and of the Lord in his home. 
So, so Paul tells us, do not exasperate your children. Do not provoke them to anger. Do not irritate them. Do not treat them with indignity. Do not discourage them. Don't grind them down. In Matthew 7, 9, Jesus said, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Fathers love giving gifts. We do. It's fun. And sometimes, I'm talking to all the dads here, we need to, no, not sometimes, all the time, we need to remember that the gifts that we give are unconditional. We don't give with the expectation of holding it over someone or getting something from them or using it as a lever One way to provoke anger, one way to irritate, one, to tr- one way to pr- um, treat with indignity or discourage is that compliment. Uh, I was thinking about this as we were watching baseball yesterday. Nice hit! But if you'd held the bat a little bit differently, it would have gone farther or it would have been a more solid hit. Don't discourage. Encourage. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The Father's role. I've written down three things that I see as the Father's role in this relationship with their children. Provide a spiritual environment at home. That's the Father's role. Model being a Christian man and husband. You're showing your son's how they should be treating their wives when you, by the way, you treat their mother. You are showing your daughters what kind of man they should be looking for, the way you treat their mothers and the way you treat each other, them. And I've throw this in as well. I've said to my sons, you will treat your sisters well, because they're close to you. You're helping modern model what kind of man they will pick as their husbands. Sisters, treat your brothers with some dignity and some respect. Help them be leaders. Encourage them. You're going to pattern for them how they can be husbands and how they can be men. So provide a spiritual environment at home and provide a spiritual community for your children. The youth program of Berean does not replace your responsibility. We don't take over. As a matter of fact, we do just the opposite. What I love about each of my adult leaders is we are all so in love with the family. And when we have students speak to us, about some of the tough issues in life, we're always, always pointing them back to their parents. You need to have that conversation with mom and dad. Oh, I can't talk about this one. Would you like us to come with you? 
Because the family is the ordained relationship by God, not the youth group. Monitor, third thing, monitor their third-party relationships. Guide them to make good choices. Do not be misled, says 1 Corinthians 15:33. Bad company corrupts good character. Good character, that word is homilageo. It's homily, from where we get the word homily. It's, it's a spiritual story. Bad company corrupts your good spiritual story, is what Paul is saying. Who you surround yourselves and who you allow your sons and daughters to surround themselves with is, is, is your responsibility as a parent. These instructions about fathers and children really come bring us right back now to this place. Instructions for our heavenly relationship. In summary, God views the relationship between fathers and children much like he views his relationship with us. This, this past fall, we, uh, the big umbrella, some of you have heard, the big umbrella over which the entire youth program, under which the entire youth program operated, was the concept of egocentricity versus Christocentricity. So children, that's all of us, Children, what if we viewed our parents not as our parents? Not as belonging to us, but as the very gift of God that he has intended them to be. Instructing us, training us. See, when, when we have a moment of adversity with our parents, we can do this reaction which is a normal, worldly reaction for all of us. Or we can respond with, how does that line up with God's word? I know that at, at one point, and I remember the first time I said to my oldest, no, I should say I remember the first time my oldest took me up on this, when I said, you know what, if you ever come across something that really you think I'm out of line, call me out. Call me out with respect. Let's talk about it. And I remember the first time he did it. And I realized at the time, as he was sharing, although he didn't see the grander picture, what he saw and displayed in the reaction of his father, he was right on. And I needed to sit there and zip it and take it because he was right. Hopefully, God used that not only to teach me something, but to teach my son something. It's okay. It's okay to criticize in the Lord with gentleness and patience. What if? What if we viewed our parents as instruments of our Father in heaven to teach us and train us and help us grow as men and women of God? Parents, fathers, what if we viewed our children as not belonging to us but as the gift of God that He intended them to be? 
What if we viewed our children as his children and not my children? What if we viewed our children as instruments of our Father in heaven to teach us and train us and help us grow as men and women of God? What if we viewed all people in all situations this way? Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Christocentricity. That this service belongs to God. Each of you belongs to God. And I view you and see you through the eyes of God and not my own eyes. If we developed an, a Christocentric view and we grew in it, can you imagine how much the world would change because he would be working through us? Jenny? Please. Heavenly Father. Uh, what a great day. Uh, what a great group of young adults, Lord. Uh, every one of them, I know personally, have received Christ as Savior. They have evidenced in their walk here with us as a church family their desire to serve you. They've reached out to their friends uh, with, the, with the message of Christ. Uh, Lord, uh, I, this is an exceptional group. And, uh, Lord, it, it represents your Holy Spirit working in their lives. As our memory verse this week, as we remind us, been up in front of us, that we are not our own. We've been bought with a price, and therefore glorify, glorify God, glorify the Lord Jesus Christ with our bodies. And Lord, as you uh, work in each of these lives, as each one of these young people are a temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, I just want to pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will shine through them to everyone they come in contact with. And, uh, Lord, we just want to give you thanks as a church family for the privilege that's been ours to have a part in their lives. Bless this congregation as we walk with you, as we serve you, as we love you in this week to come. In Christ's name, all God's people can pray together. Amen. Okay, Jenny, let's go fly away.